0: All right. Welcome everyone to the Zojo Talk podcast. I'm Paul Fever, the Zojo developer evangelist. And in this episode, I have a double feature. I have two guests. I have Bruno Frechette and Jonathan Gilmet, And they are Zojo users. They were at the XDC conference back in Texas a few months ago. Uh, their big claim to fame is two things. One, they're from Canada and, uh, And two, they swept the Zojo Wars uh, contest this year. So uh, two exciting things. Got them both here on the podcast this time. So guys, why don't you tell us a little bit about your company and what you use Zojo for?
1: For sure. Thanks for inviting us. Uh, We'll try to be as intelligent as possible in this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, we both uh, work at the same company. It's called PJJ Productions. Uh, we are a company that make, uh, on-home messages for phone systems. We also record voice prompts for large RVR systems, like press one, press two, press three thing that you just hate us so much for. (laughs) that's our voices. We don't do the systems, mind you, but we record the voices for that. Uh, we also do some retail, um, services, uh, in-store music and, uh, in-store digital signage. So that's uh, the things we do. We've been in business for 30 years now. Would you believe that? That's, that's pretty awesome. And uh, we use Zocho, um as our main development tool, both for internal needs and also the software that runs on the uh, little computers that we install on-site at our client's uh, stores and, and premises. So basically, uh, the, uh, the unit that we install is a Mac Mini. And it serves as an overkill audio player, <laughs> which we mostly connect back to our server uh, periodically to pull out uh, uh, the new, uh, new messages, new music when there's music involved and new images. And that, that's basically it. So the software we use Ojo for the software on these Mac minis. And then we also use Zojo for uh, lots of little things and, uh, um, in store, uh, uh, help tools that we developed uh, for internal use as well. And uh, I'm uh, one of the owners of the company, and uh, I'm the, I would say, the lead developer. I do, Although I'm like a lot of people, self-thought in much of what I'm doing, I do have some formal education, but uh, mainly um, struggled for a while to understand what object-oriented programming was. <laughs> how I I think I understand better. (laughs) And Jonathan here is uh, the director of technical service and support. So he's in charge of uh, installing new clients, making sure all the little Mac Minis uh, run well. Um, He also helps me uh, develop uh, some of the tools we use internally. And uh, it's my plan to have him
2: uh,
1: code more and me drink more while he codes. Not just kidding. (laughs)
2: I'm not a full-time programmer, but uh, I when I have time I use Zoho to help me in my job to save time, and when I have more time I can do more programming. It's a really interesting thing for me.
1: So he actually didn't know anything about Zoho before he joined us last year, two, one year, two years ago, three years ago, three already, three years ago. Oh wow! So yeah, so I introduced him to Zojo, and uh, it seems I'm not that. That of a T-shirt because he still uses it you know, at home <laughs> for other purposes than just uh, work uh, related uh, projects.
2: It's easy to use because uh, you did a lot of documentation and it's really appreciated <laughs> well, oh sure you know, you bribe
0: the podcast host. that's a good plan. I like that yes. <laughs> All right well that's pretty cool. so when you guys now you guys don't actually record the voices yourself you have like voice talent or something right?
1: Yes, we do. We actually have one, um, our main uh, studio technician that all does all the mixing and splicing and, sure. and conversion and stuff. So, yeah, we, we have one person. He's the main uh, studio technician, and he's also the main uh, French male voice for uh, on the productions, the audio productions we make. So he does record um, a lot of things, but we also have uh, freelancers, uh, voice talents, uh, I would say approximately between 20 and 30 uh, regular voice talents that we call upon in French and English, male and female. Uh, we also did some recordings in some foreign languages for customers, uh, clients that had offices uh, for clients that had offices around the world. So we did some Chinese, some uh, uh, Spanish, Italian, Portuguese, German, uh, Arab. Uh, Norwegian, um, uh, Swedish. Uh, what else we did? We do some some less spoken languages. Like in northern north of Quebec, uh, there's um, um, natives uh, population there, and their language is Inuktitut. So we did some recordings in that. That was uh, pretty challenging to actually find a narrator for that language, since there are maybe a few thousand people that Speak that language altogether in the world, so that, that was pretty challenging, but we did.
0: So, people actually needed a some sort of online phone system that used that language. They had enough people that were
1: well for that particular client was Bell, Bell Canada. So they had like an office uh, for probably uh, customer service uh, related things. And there, the the other client we had was a credit union, so a bank that had a, a, a branch there up north. So they wanted to have, like, uh, some reading messages in, in the native language.
0: Oh, well, that's nice.
1: That was pretty nice. The, 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 most, the strangest one was the Arabic, because you have absolutely no notion of what the script is in relation to the audio you're hearing. So it's pretty tough to actually splice the audio segments at the right places. So we had to tell the narrator, okay, just make sure that before every segment you say in English so I can understand segment one and then you start talking and then segment two so I know where to splice
0: right yeah because you got to put it in the software and stuff so that you, the app can find the right pieces and play it back is that the idea
1: yeah well the idea when we deliver what we deliver to the, the end user the client is odd, uh, split audio files so each audio file has an ID is, is, is named properly uh, converted in proper format and then uh, they place that in their uh, IVR or grading message system and they program So message one is the welcome message. If people press two and then goes to message two, which is the main menu. And then if people in the main menu press two again and goes to the sub menu, whatever. So, but all that part is done by the client. But we have to make sure that we deliver all the audio files correctly separated or split so that they can place all the bits and pieces at the right places so that the flow of the call will actually do what it's supposed to do when people uh, press the numbers on there phones and cuss saying, what kind of system is that? I'm turning around and around and I can't seem to press zero to speak to anybody. And then we meet people on the street and say, oh, you're the guy. So No, no, no. We just record the voices. We don't make the systems. They're not well programmed. We have nothing to do with that. Don't throw stones at us.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. So you said you use a Mac mini to, uh, that people install on site that...
1: Yeah, for, for on-home messages and uh, in-store music and digital signage. So uh, these three applications require a media player. Uh, we selected the Mac Mini and uh, it runs uh, Zojo software on it. And uh, it does... Uh, it's I would call that a, a more or less glorified uh, media player, but there's a lot of uh, little uh, bits and pieces that were added... Uh, over time, we have currently, uh, over a thousand, uh, Mac minis installed in the field that, uh, play, uh, either one or two audio zones plus one, uh, video zone at, at times. And, uh, they all connect back to one little server, which is also Mac mini. And, uh, we also have older technology installed. Uh, the Mac mini is the latest one, but, uh, we have, uh, other dedicated proprietary, uh, uh, hardware that we we'll also use uh, for media players that we, um, I would say, maybe um, a few hundred um, internet loaded ones that connect back to our server. But we also have some older technologies, modem loaded units. And I would say close to a thousand of these as well, right? So about a thousand of older modem loaded m- media players. That uh, we dial into, so it's instead of them of the player connecting back to the server here. So we have a bunch of uh, machines that actually dial out to these during the night to download uh, the new uh, new messages in there. These are mainly for on hold messages. So it's a few thousand uh, units, but yeah, the, now we only install Mac Minis. Yeah
0: boy well, yeah, you were at the conference in the spring. You you remember we announced the Raspberry Pi uh, support coming in the future. Is that something you guys think you'll be taking? To, oh, he's, he's holding up. Bruno's <laughs> holding up one right now. Yeah, I I can. Uh, I don't know if I can hold up mine here for you to see. It's uh, it's got a shorter cord. No, it's not reaching. Sorry, mine's <laughs> black. It's not white like yours. But do I you think a
2: model
1: one? my one. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, I got. I just got a model two. I
2: have the new one. <laughs> yes, you do. I yeah, got, got the got same one. one.
0: I got the same one that you got there, Jonathan. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a bit. So is that, do you, do you think you'll stick with uh, using Mac Mays? Does that work pretty well? Or do you think there's any advantage to using something like a Pi or, or any reason to use something like a Pi for your software?
1: Uh, I was actually very excited when the Pi support was announced. Uh, that is definitely uh, the way we're going to go because of the pricing. Because of the uh, the the, the uh, possibility to purchase them at a quantity on uh, new units, because we're currently installing uh, used Mac meetings that we purchase, because it wouldn't make sense to have like a thousand dollars media player just to play uh, music in in the store. So we purchase older models um, mainly off of eBay, but we also have some uh, computer recyclers that we have connections with. We can purchase lots of uh, of uh, Mac minis that we stripped down, uh, replaced the hard drives, put a solid state drive in there. And uh, it has the advantage of being uh, the same platform all of the time. You know, one of the reasons we didn't want to go with uh, windows is that I don't like windows. (laughs) The reason why we didn't want to go with uh, Linux is it was hard to have always the same hardware platform. So in five years from now, we might have like 10 different type of hardware platform out there in the field. And since we have to support them all and anything that breaks, we have to support or either ship a new machine or or software updates or whatever. It's hard when you have um, different uh, machines to support. So that's the reason why we stick, we we stuck with the Mac uh, and because we could purchase Quite a large quantity of these used little minis at a very decent price allowed us to have a nice and uniform platform to work with. Now with the Pi, since the Pi doesn't get upgraded that often, so that'll give us, I believe, pretty much the same stability with the hardware. And plus, it's going to be a lot cheaper. And plus, I can order them new as I need. So yes, I'm pretty excited with the being able to compile for, uh, for the Raspberry
0: Pi. All right. Yeah. When I was thinking about types of people that would, you know, really key into something like this, you guys did pop into my head. Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, cause the thing hardly uses any power. Uh, so it's more power efficient on that. And it's so darn tiny. gives off no heat. doesn't have a fan or anything. No. Um, you can plug in a, a bigger SD card into it to fit, you know, what you need. Uh, that'd yeah. probably be the biggest thing. If your audio files are humongous or something, you'd, uh,
1: they're not that big. They're not that big. Actually, we, we compressed them pretty... We, we've developed... Uh, well, we haven't developed. We found pretty much the nice sweet spot to have uh, a smaller file that still has a, a great quality and we can fit quite a bit uh, of songs in, in, in these machines. We're currently installing our minis with uh, 120 gigs, solid-state drives, and um, it holds our current music libraries is maybe fourteen thousand songs, more or less. And we're we're not half the capacity right now of the hardware. Mm-hmm. So it's it's our, our compression is nice. Uh, the sound is great. We have some clients which are actually uh, uh, pubs that have uh, very high quality sound systems, and it just sounds great. And uh, and and it does since it's not streamed. It doesn't take too much
0: bandwidth, right yeah well that's pretty cool yeah well we're we're eager to see the types of things people are gonna gonna do with this when it when it ships later this year and uh, I've had some fun playing with mine. I've only had mine a, a couple of weeks now, so I'm still a bit of a newbie when it comes to this thing but uh, but it's a fun little gadget i uh, when it first came in, I uh, hooked it up to my TV set. As you know, it needs a display, and yep. that was the closest one I had handy that it would plug into. So I just plugged it into the TV, and I had it sitting there in the living room, Hank, you know, with a HDMI cable running down to it. And then I dug up an old USB keyboard and mouse that I had in the basement, plugged them in, and had it sitting down there. And then later, my son was sitting down there on the floor playing one of the built-in games that came – I think came with wow. Minecraft – and it just reminded me of when I was a kid in the '80s with my old Atari computer hooked up to the television set uh, in the living room. It looked just like that. That's but, pretty cool. Yeah, but we played around a little bit. We made we my son and I made a little text adventure game with it as oh. a test to uh, to play that's around cool. and see how it goes. So yeah, we used our, our house as a as the location. So we made a wow. map that let you move from room to room and look for one of our cats.
1: Oh, that's cool.
0: A little adventure game. Yeah, so that was pretty fun.
1: Yeah. Another thing that we use uh, Zojo for at uh, the office is uh, a few of our servers are actually Zojo-based, not the main one for the, uh, for the Mac meetings, but there's another, um, another application that we have uh, where we installed some uh, commercial screens for signage, and uh, these screens had a built-in uh, player capability, so we didn't install any external media player with these screens, but well, we just reverse engineered whatever protocol they had for connecting back to their server, the server that the the, the, the hardware vendor provided with the screens, and we just made our own server so that it, would, it could run on Macs as well. So we used Zojo for that as a web server. And one of the neat things that I'm, I'm, I really like about uh, this, the, the Zojo web server and the way we use it is... We use we make a web application, but we use the pages that the web applications make the built-in you know, web pages as an admin page, and we use the handle URL uh, event right to actually build a completely separate server. And I think this is really really a neat application of of what the web application can do. So we can if we log in to our server at the web address. It just detects whether the IP comes from internal or external, so allows or disallows the built-in page to be displayed. And then we can monitor whatever is going on in the server with that web page, where at the same time, it's actually getting connections from uh, regular HTTP connection that we decode and build the pages back to send back for that application with the screen. So we build whatever the screen expects the server to send back as HTML documents, And so I think that's a very neat way to use the web application as a web service. It's really an awesome way.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I've done a couple webinars recently that kind of are hyping up the idea that, you know, you can use Zojo to, to, you know, provide web services in a pretty easy way like that. You just, just, you know, if you're already familiar with writing Zojo, even if you're not, it's just an easy way to just make web services. You just got one event handler that you just, you know, process what came in. Call off the methods you need, return some results back. It's very fast and easy, and it's and it's surprisingly simple. And it, it kind of, I think, helps people get their head around this whole web services concept that maybe they've been a little intimidated by or something. So
1: exactly, and we've had uh, I've I've built another uh, a few other little things that use the same principle where we need like a processing engine that would pull information from a, a remote server at, at regular intervals. So I've made Instead of making like a desktop application that has a window that I can look at, I just made a web app, threw it, throw it on the server, and the web app runs. And if I want to see what's happening with that particular um, service, I again, I log in with the built-in page, and it gives me uh, information on what uh, the application is doing. So for my part, it's, it's, we're going to be moving more and more towards that direction for a lot of internal services and little things that we do. Like, for example, um, um, audio converters. Uh, uh, we have a news server where actually pull some audio files from an, a news agency to play back uh, at our clients uh, through our client's audio. So we have a little web server. Well, it's not a web service actually, but it's an engine that pulls information from an FTP site on the uh, news agency and then pulls the audio file back and then just throws it at whatever customer we have that are subscribed to that news, uh, news feed, if you will. Mm-hmm. So it's all an engine with using the Zojo um, you know, webpage as a monitoring tool for the uh, for the engine.
0: Well, that's awesome. That's a very good use of the tools there in that particular case. So your customers are kind of, based on these languages you said you're doing, uh, they're all over the place, all over the world pretty much? All.
1: Mostly in Canada, I would say. Uh, I, even even closer, mostly in Quebec, in, in our province. Okay. Uh, I would say maybe 70 to 80% are in Quebec. Uh, another maybe 15% in the rest of Canada, maybe a 5%. I'm being generous, maybe 2% abroad. And most of the clients that we have abroad, they're, it's not for all the messages. It's not for in-store music. It's really for voice prompts that they call upon our services. And it's usually... Uh, companies that will have our, their head office in Canada, but they have offices all over the world, so they call upon our services to make their greeting messages. So we just record the voice prompts, we find the voice talents, we record that, we ensure quality, ensure it's converted in the right formats. We, I would, you know, you can qualify us more or less like a voice broker, if you will, that you know finds the right voices, uh, the translators, and then does the audio processing and then delivers the audio files. So, but mainly our clients, the ones that have uh, media players installed, they're in Canada.
0: And and for our listeners, they probably at this point know that I'm in the Northeast U.S. I'm not too far from where yeah. uh, Bruno's company is located. Uh, mm-hmm. You guys must be like just outside of Montreal.
1: Yeah, I'll halfway between Montreal and Quebec City, so maybe okay. two hours from the border.
0: All right. Yeah, so that'd probably be I don't know, like maybe six hours from here for driving. Yeah. So both of you, as I I mentioned a couple times now, were at the XDC conference in Texas. And one of the things we do at the conference each year is we have various types of coding contests. And this year Mm -hmm. we had a game and it was called Zoja Wars. And it was a spaceship battle game. And contestants had to program the spaceship to fight against other ships, four at a time on the screen. And at XDC, that battle was Hot and heavy, and in the end, Bruno was the champion, and he won there. <laughs> Yay. And uh, which was very exciting, and uh, and then uh, people seemed to like our little contest so much that uh, when we got back from the conference, uh, we were talking about here and said, "Well, let's you know do it again, but opening it up to the larger community, and also throw in the." losers from XTC to participate as well <laughs> and uh, so they everyone got to throw their hat in the ring and uh, and bruto's uh, co-worker here uh, Jonathan ended up winning the community battle so both the champions of Zojo Wars for 2015 came from this one little company. They, you know, sit right next to you. <laughs> and, you know, cries of scandal went up in the community. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> no, no, no. It was, it, was, uh, it was just a happy coincidence. But so, I mean, the world wants to know. What's your secrets?
1: Oh, boy.
2: Want to go first, Jonathan? A special thing I need to, to tell to you is uh, Bruno, at the beginning of the XDC, Told to me, I'm not sure. I think I will not be ready for the contest, and he, he won the contest.
1: <laughs> Actually, I wanted to make sure that my ship would not fall on the shame of not being able to win against follower. So
0: <laughs> yes, follower was my demo ship. That
1: oh yeah, that was that that was like the shame barrier you had to break. And, uh, and my first initial tests, I couldn't win consistently against followers. So I said to Jonathan, forget it. I'm not going to enter the contest if I can't even beat follower. I mean.
2: <laughs> and, um, my wish was I really want to win and beat Bruno. I really, I really want to beat Bruno because, uh, I, it will be a great, um, it's, it, if I can say, hey, I beat Bruno, it's a big challenge for me. It's, uh, <laughs> it was not my dream. It, wow. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Make me sound like I'm the, the, the biggest programmer, the <laughs> biggest brain in the world. Wow. No, okay. We are
2: only two programmers where we are working and it's why my wish was to beat Bruno. And did you remember what I asked to you during the contest?
0: Oh, I do remember during the contest because Jonathan had high hopes for for your ship, Bruno. And he had had suggested before, he said, just swap our ships, put my name on Bruno's, put Bruno's name on mine. And then I'll win, but I'll tell him after that it was him. (laughs) (laughs) But I wouldn't play along with such schemes.
1: Yeah, I knew your integrity wouldn't be... uh... Um, would hold up to that, uh, kind of a bribery, uh, talk. <laughs>
2: uh, I was a little bit disappointed of me because the version I su- submit to the contest was not my f- best of one because I changed during the contest. I changed my, uh, a way where um, I changed a lot of time idea and At the end, it was not my good one, but I erased my good one. And it's why it was this one, this version. And this version was not too bad because I win during the web version of the contest. But there is a little bit of luck. Uh, If you check the three others, uh, the three, Jeremy was really nice, uh, was really good and I think it's a little part of luck.
0: Yeah, there definitely uh, was an element of luck in the game, primarily. But just like with any sport, you know, you've got the long, grueling season to get to the so-called playoffs mm-hmm. and then you get to the playoffs and then there's a lot of luck involved and the best team yeah. doesn't always win the playoffs and or the team that had the best record during the regular season doesn't always win the playoffs. And the same thing with Soldier Wars, because if you made it to the, quote, you know, playoff battle. I mean, you only had one battle at that point. So if you had a really good game, you could, you know, be an underdog and win, Uh,
1: you know. Are you telling me I don't have the best chip? I just was lucky to win.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I I say no such specifics, but uh, (laughs) because only I know, because, you know, I run these tests all the time. You know, I, I ran them repeatedly over and over to make sure there was no crashes and to, you know, watch the game progress and all that stuff. So I know the percentages of how often people won things, okay. <laughs> but everyone else doesn't know that. Okay, It's like, you know, at the beginning of a baseball season, you get all the analysts that, you know, do the projections for which teams expected to come in first. And, you know, they run like, you know, thousands or millions of simulated baseball seasons. And they'll say, okay, in this particular scenario, the Yankees are going to finish first. And then the season ends and the Yankees didn't finish first. Uh, you know, you you can't predict the future. It's just, uh, but you know, I I did have uh, guesses as to who might win and, uh, (laughs) but yeah, it didn't vary too, too much really. I mean, I I did have it run a lot of battles to lead up. So, I mean, it tend to average out in the end as you watch the battle, you know, some people would jump to an early lead, but then they'd, you know, maybe settle down. The, The strong contenders would always bubble up to the top and it's often the same or close to the same group that made the final battle, so <laughs> it's good to see some amount of consistency. But there, there's always a little element of luck, which is fun because you don't want to have uh, people feel too intimidated completely that uh, they're not they have no chance to win. So, but I don't know what we're going to do next year. It was a lot of work to make this particular game, and uh, I might try to do something completely different next year. So we'll see. I'm open to suggestions, listeners. If you have ideas, uh, shoot them my way. <laughs> I've got. Uh, I still got some time to plan. Hopefully, I'll start a little earlier this time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you know how it is. We always start at the last minute.
0: Yeah, it's the the bane of the programmer. Is uh, I got time. I got time. Oh 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 oh. I get no more time. <laughs> okay, that was due yesterday. I need to get this finished. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's always the case. So I'm looking here, we're doing a video conference uh as I do with all these podcasts, and I'm looking at what is a very cool looking office for the part I see is behind Bruno and Jonathan is this wall uh mural, if you will, of uh some type of circuit board. Yeah,
1: uh, it looks like a card, a computer card. if you look at the connector on the other end, like an old oh, whatever type of connector
0: card. Yeah, it's like uh it's a gigantic circuit board of maybe a, a computer. Socket or card or something that plugged yeah. in. Oh, it's got to be old school because the number of things on this thing oh, is yeah, crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's, you, it's certainly, I mean, if this were a mural of like the inside of an iPhone, it would be, you know, an inch by an inch wide or something. <laughs> this thing is like 20 feet by 12 feet or something. But <laughs> it's it's quite a dynamic background. It's it's busy, yet uh, it, draws your, it draws your eye in. It's, uh, it's fascinating. I, I should get a background like that for... Yeah, maybe doing video webinars or something. Well, our, our
1: our office is, is pretty wildly decorated. Uh, like you saw, also my um my my video wall here, which serves also as a digital signage testing and uh, video wall. Uh, the other side, I got a brick wall. So, and but this is um actually the uh, real bricks. They're not digital. Or real anything. bricks. No, because we we did the renovation to the uh, building. We're we are in a building which is uh, over hundred years old. And uh, when we did some renovation, we kept some of the old sand bricks. And uh, that's what we used to rebuild some internal uh, internal decorative walls there with bricks. So they're genuine sand bricks dating hundred years old or more. So, yeah. And it's all decorated pretty, pretty wildly all over the place. So we got a lot of uh, strange looking stuff all over the, uh, the three floors. We got a pool table. We got a rock climbing wall. We got, um, uh, there's a space in the basement, in the basement we call playroom for, for musical instruments to play music. We got an old vintage pinball machine. Um, and we got a little, uh, terrace for the, uh, little Friday afternoon beer, which wouldn't uh, serve you any good, but, <laughs> um, so, uh, we got a, a totem in, uh, in the entrance. We got uh, a lot of strange looking things all over the place.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, that keeps it fun and lively. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, when I used to work in an office it was in downtown Portland here and most of the buildings here are also, you know, hundred years old or so. Uh maybe not all the taller ones, but we were in a we weren't in one of the newer high rises, you know, if you can call them at here in Maine. But it was mm-hmm. an older building, it had a lot of brick and, you know, exposed wood beams and stuff like that. It's it's fun yeah. to work in an environment like that. We had we were on the top floor, so we had skylights everywhere, which was neat at times. But then when the sun <laughs> shifts around, so you're working away, and all of a sudden, all right, it's two forty eight in the summer, and the sun boom right either in your face or shining against your display, and you're like, all right, time to move or something, because uh, that would become a problem. But yeah. still, you enjoyed the light and the views and whatnot. We could yeah, see. I got
1: no, uh, no window in my office. So, um, just the the main doors. Let me just turn around and we can see the main doors. Hang on.
0: Uh, Yeah, yeah. Well, you don't have a window, but you get that giant video wall so you could uh, put up displays. uh, There's a big window
1: at the other end where I can see. uh,
0: Uh, Oh, yeah, yeah very yeah. nice it's a welcoming place should have driven up there to do the podcast
1: oh that'd be nice <laughs> you know what the last uh no three years three weeks ago mm-hmm. three weeks ago uh fred roller and uh, uh paul messia uh they came up here we Quebec, so we had a a weekend well, well weekend almost a week together hang on
2: you did a big trip with them. Yeah,
1: yeah so we, we had like a, a little uh, nice uh, informal get-together where we uh, traveled a lot to Montreal and Quebec City, drank a lot of beer, and uh, had lots of fun. I
0: think cool. I, I think I remember maybe something posted on the forum about that, but you had you had it spun as a concept of a user group or something like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. well, we invented ourselves a, a Zoja user group in Victoriaville, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there are four members from right now. So two of them are here, and <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty fun.
0: Oh, that's great! Yeah, that's that's always fun. When uh, yeah, Fred is, seems to be have been on a, a tour lately. He also was at the conference. I think he's speaking at the Atlanta User Group.
1: Maybe. Yeah, he invited me, and uh, we tried to get together. But hey, uh, they're all they're, they're both he and Paul are, are uh, singles and uh, no children, and whereas I have a family and, and wife and children and other obligations, so. I cannot run everywhere in the world for beer anytime I want. Not quite.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is always tricky. I, I have to give my wife lots and lots of notice just for the Zojo conferences so she can plan it. <laughs> Wouldn't do much good if I could just... Uh, all right, I'm going to be gone for several days and in a yeah. couple hours. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, that, that probably would be not go over well. All right, guys. Well, I want to thank you for doing this podcast here Zojo Talk podcast this time and so again this is uh, Bruno Frechette and Jonathan Gilmet of uh, PJJ Productions and
1: thanks again guys no problem and the only thing we haven't answered is what's your secret for winning Zojo Wars mm-hmm. I've uh, worked around that question so I keep my secrets to myself ah <laughs>
0: I knew that would be something that you wouldn't share. You got to keep secrets like that. Right? Stay tuned after the podcast for bonus material. Bruno is going to talk about an audio app he's been working on.
1: Let me show you. I was talking to you about my little uh, audio editor software. So
0: ah, yes, this is an app Bruno is working on to uh, edit okay. some audio, which I earlier. Before we started, said, "Hey, that might be helpful for me to editing these uh, podcasts."
1: Yeah, so I've labeled, I've named it uh, "Cuts," and we um, run it still in uh, dev mode, but um,
0: uh, he's running it in Zojo right now. So
1: yeah, um, you don't see the other little window. Hang on, I'm just going to uh, cancel, create a new, a new uh, session. So let's put it on the desktop. Uh, new session. That's good. Save. All right. I'm just dragging stuff from one screen to the other. Yeah, there you I go. I see. That right. interface that I have right now, and uh, you got two audio tracks. you got your little uh, player here. I'm going to import uh, some audio files in it. You um, can accept pretty much any type of uh, audio uh, format, so... Um, be it the MP3, Wave, AIFF, compressed to a Wave EULA or whatever it is. Right. Well, you can just drag. So let's just take an MP3 here of a YouTube uh, song so I can drag it here. Oh, you don't see the little import window. Ah, let me share. Maybe I can share the other screen. Hang on. It's going to be easier. Sorry about that.
0: That's right. The, the podcast listeners won't see anything unless we describe it anyway, so they won't know.
1: <laughs> okay, so that's going to be better so you still see it yep. here let's do it again so so you can see the little import window so i can take that here and there you go yeah yeah that's fast
0: okay you get the video thing you drag the the audio around yeah that looks uh, similar to how GarageBand does. Oh, this
1: this works if i'm lit so um, i can resize it uh, it doesn't change the, it doesn't compress the audio, it just cuts the end right. of the audio. You know, I don't have the waveform yet, but I'm getting there. It just cuts there. and It's non destructive, so if I stretch it again, so it standard audio things. Uh, I can move it around, I can uh, duplicate it if I hold the uh, Alt key, it'll just keep. Create a duplicate of mm-hmm. that particular region. Uh, I can also select some part and backspace to cut some part. Very part
0: nice. And this, this is just a canvas that you have here.
1: It's just a canvas. I'll show you the interface right after. I can split it in two, and I have two regions pointing in the same media file. So <laughs> I can restretch it. I can uh, make some uh, uh, custom fades if I uh, that I tie that are tied to the region. So if I hold the uh, control. I can just make a. Yep, yep. You can fade fade, it, fade here, the volume high, down. Yeah, that's handy. I stretch so it, it's just like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's, let me import um, a few voice cuts here. So I'll just select all these. we will import them here. So there you go. You have your voice cuts here. Again, so I just. Place, hey, I you weren't expecting the I can put some volume uh, adjustments on the track, yep. so as to volumes like that. So that's again, pretty standard. Uh, what's nice is one of the things we do all the time for home messages is we have an, a music bed and then we have some audio cuts and then we need to spread the audio cuts neatly over the music bed. And then we need to create some fade outs, fade in. So the music actually fades, uh, when there's narration on top of it. Right. Okay? So that's one of the things we do. Normally what we do is we just spread them out like by hand like that and say, okay, I can spread that out like that, pretty much like that, like that, you know, I'm getting that. And then we have to, you know, work our volumes like that, automation like that, and then back up, and then, you know... Yep, just, yeah,
0: you lower the volume when uh, someone's going to speak. That's, yep.
1: Yeah, exactly right. So what I've done is, is I've created some automation tools. So this one here is called Auto Spread, so it'll just spread all the voice cuts according to whatever music is in the track, just below. So if I hit that, so they're all spread nice and neatly. If I take that cut and I put it before this one, it just mm-hmm. yep. replaces it keeps itself.
0: everything spaced out properly. Yeah.
1: If I just resize the music, it'll just keep the cuts spread properly. Let me just zoom in a bit so we can see the cut numbers. So it just gets them as, uh, spread all the time. Um, I can link two cuts together. If I hold Command key, it'll just link the two cuts together, and then they're linked. So if I select them and put them in before it, there, it just keeps neatly organized. And then on the track below here, I can just do the auto volume, uh, and that, if you see, it just puts all the volume uh, the right places where it, uh, it actually fades the volume of the music. And again, that's completely independent. So if I take that here, if I move it around, you see the volume in below just follows. Right, if it's re- tracking here,
0: your voice so that it yeah. keeps the. The
1: other one is not spread on the, on the top one. It'll just put it back where it needs to go, and it just puts the fades where they need to go. If I restretch the music track, the music file, it just keeps all the volumes and all the play everything neatly placed. Then I can play with the volume levels. For example, here. This is, this will be redone, it's not very intuitive, but I can, this is the low volume level. This is the high volume level. And then this is the fade where the fade fade starts or ends, and then the fade length. So that just plays with the, the, the different fades. And there you go, you have your productions ready to mix. So I can just session mix the disc. Select whichever format I want to have it mixed in, so AIFF, WAV, MP3, or whatever. Right. And then – or multiple choices if I want. And then select where I want to. Oh, let me just make some space. I've like, done um, several tests, as you can see from the other folders. So I just put that on the desktop. Hang uh, on. Um, oh, yeah, I need, I need to name it, so for example, my mix. So it'll just mix with all the volumes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just export. It's moving pretty quick. Yep. And there you get an an error during the conversion. (laughs) 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 Still is in beta, but um, where do you put it? Uh, My my mix is here. So I
2: have
0: it here. Right. The uh, the voice is mixed right in there. Nice.
1: it probably was an error there because there's a, I should have um, named them uh, differently or whatever. Anyways, so this is what I'm doing currently. And it's uh, so far very good. Um, and this for,
0: essentially is going to be an internal tool that you're going to be using. Yes. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Uh, and this was developed because one of our clients wanted to have um, us pre record a series of, of different voice segments. And then all of their branches, they wanted to be able to select. For example, in January, I want to have the the segment 47, 46, 45. In February, I want to have uh, 26, uh, 45, and 13. And in March, and every branch wanted to be able to select that. So what I did is also a productions window where I can say, okay, this is going to be uh, the January production.
0: Right, and you can specify the order. And then
1: this guy here, which is in Victoriaville he wants to have uh, segment 47, segment 46, segment uh, 40. And then the guy in in uh, Montreal, he wants to have segment 14 and segment 44 and segment 13. And then the guy in Quebec City wants to have uh, 45, 44, and 40. So if I click here to have it lively, shown live, And you see it just just by clicking, it'll just build whatever production has been selected. And then I can select them all and say, okay, mix all these productions. They'll be named correctly January, Victoriaville, January, Montreal, January, and mixed with whatever uh, song I have as a background. So that's that's what I'm building right now. But, yes, it's going to be an internal tool for making uh, audio productions, on the whole audio productions, for the older generation of, of units, because for the Mac mini, I can actually throw um, some um, directly some different voice segments and the Mac mini will just mix them on the fly. Right. But the older uh, audio units, uh, which we still have quite a few uh, hundreds over a thousand installed, they can only take like one audio file. It has to be pre-mixed. So that's why I'm using that tool. Well, this is a,
0: kind of a perfect use case for why you would use something like Zojo because it's not like you're going to find, you know, a, an existing app that's going to do something this specific and that exactly. you can well, whip up your yeah. own.
1: Exactly. Sorry. I'm, I'm cutting and stepping all over you. Like you said, you didn't like, <laughs> and yeah, there are quite a few tools that do that. You mentioned logic earlier when we were uh, chatting before the uh, podcast, logic is one good example of pro tools, Uh, Audacity, uh, Medeus Pro, there's quite a few different tools that exist there that actually do some of these features, some of these um, um, features more or less, uh, with more or less difficulty. Some are easy in some ways, and then tough in some other ways. Some will have easy uh, split of the audio cuts, but then it's tough to actually name each audio cut separately and mix them as separate audio files in different formats. Some will be very good at that, but it's tough to mix and put some volumes automation there. It's, it's a painstakingly long operation. So I'm actually making that exactly to fit the specific means that we have for audio uh, cutting and splicing and mixing. Right, yeah, and,
0: it'll it'll exactly match your asking, workflow.
1: Yeah. yeah um, let me show you the main window. So you were asking what it looks like. So it's basically two canvas. So one canvas is actually for the tracks controls. Let me just run it again so we can have a view of, of what it looks like when it's done. Uh, open for the last session, this session here. All right. so if we see uh, on one side, Uh, library, uh, get away. Okay. So you can see on one side, this is what it looks like, but this is the internal, uh, window. So there's just one canvas here that holds the track control, the track names and little buttons to mute the track solo, like activate the volume automation stuff. And the other one is for the tracks themselves, which, uh, includes the ruler, the timer ruler, uh, the track, uh, regions, um, track regions and the automation and the select handles and everything. So that's all drawn by hand or well, by hand, by code. <laughs> Sorry. So the main window just uses two canvas. That's it. And I would say that's my first real use of the canvas as a complete GUI draw uh, interface. I, you know, I used to have to uh, to make tools that I would have uh, several um, container controls that I would duplicate and, 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 Position all over the place and it works, but it has its drawback. Really, when you get your head around using the canvas and drawing all your stuff manually, it's incredibly flexible and it's, it's, it's awesome. It really works a lot better than I had expected it to work. Right. And oh, yeah.
0: And it's fast. And I mean, yeah. and particularly for something like this, I mean, where you're pretty much everything is going to be a custom drawn thing because you're representing, you know, they're not standard UI elements in any way. Yeah. It makes sense well, that it's a canvas.
1: And before, I would have actually drawn like rectangles with the rectangle uh, 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 class and keep track of all the rectangles, or maybe uh, draw some some other stuff or, or continue controls that would contain rectangles and stuff. I would have done it like that, and it, it does work, but it's it's painful.
0: <laughs> yeah, that that sounds to me like that would be a lot harder. You'd have a, that'd be a lot more tricky to manage, I would think.
1: Yeah, I was I was kind of afraid of 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 going with a canvas and drawing everything myself, I actually felt like it was—I would be going back to the old days where you didn't have any uh, objects to actually throw on the screen that you had to draw everything yourselves. But it turns out that it's—it's it's a lot faster. It's a lot faster that way. Yes, you have to, you know, get your head around all the the maths of the scaling and the, uh, and keeping track of all the numbers and stuff. But it's really not that hard. I find myself um, surprised, surprised about how easy it is.
0: Well, some of this relates, too, to the, the game session I did at XTC. Someone had asked the question of, well, you know, that's all well and good, but uh, making games, but how does this help not making games, making apps that we actually use? And I said, well, I think the act of going through and making these games gave me a much better understanding of the types of things that Canvas could be used for. Yeah, and, it's and this cool. is a, also another example. So I mean, I can see how a lot of the stuff I showed when making games would apply to how you've used the canvas to to make these layouts here.
1: Yeah, and there's a lot of things that I actually experimented with that project. Canvas is one thing. Uh, using a database as the file save um, document. So instead of trying to make up your own document format. Uh, as a text document which i used to do all the time and then rereading that i decided to simply use um, uh, um uh, sqlite documents so whenever i create a new document it actually creates a new sqlite document if i go to my db right here, yeah
0: that's a good idea i recommend that for people in right. certain situations but it just
1: creates that right it just creates a table from scratch so that's that's the first for me as well and uh, uh one last thing that i've started implementing is the, uh, uh, the observer um, uh, design pattern. So that's one thing I've been uh, assisting um, these, uh, these uh, sessions at the Zojo conferences this year and last year, and I've decided to tr- start using the listener pattern so that um, I have all my data, and when the data changes, actually the, the, the tracks subscribe to the data, and then they receive an event. Whenever it changes, instead of having every method that changes the data, not forgetting to tell the main window to update as well. Right, right. right. That's, it's the first time I actually start implementing. It's not perfect yet, but it works. And again, I'm surprised at how great of a job it does of of doing that.
0: Well, that's why those things became patterns, just because they're so darn useful for lots of things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I can show you if – yeah. Are, are, are we done yet with the hour? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, if you've got us, something else to show, that's fine. I I, I wish – I'll probably take a few snags of this to uh, include as links for people to look at maybe. But,
1: uh... Well, maybe if there's another uh, uh, little podcast you want to, to make, I got one or two little uh, neat uh, classes that I made. Uh, one of them is actually to load and save uh, data from – to and from the database – uh, like uh, some other uh, um, object, uh, what's it called, uh, object uh, object model, database model, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the one you did, Storm, and like the one that Bob did. Uh, mine is a lot simpler, a lot uh, cut down in, in its functionalities, but one of the things it does nicely is you don't have to subclass anything, and it'll uh, where. I show you that oh okay for example my media class here so that's a class media class just holds some properties for the media file that I have with the file name the sample uh, the uh, where it starts where it ends and stuff like that in the file right so I need to, whenever I import media I obviously create a new instance of that class to represent the media that I've just imported and then I need to save that in the database right so with my class instead of having the media class, being a subclass of whatever, uh, object oriented, uh, database, uh, class, I just need to see, okay, let's, my tool is, is called database connector. So I just create a new database connector. I say, okay, save myself to to the database. That's it. So it'll guess by the name of the class of media class, I'll try to find a table that's called media. It'll just compare whatever, um, properties we have that match the names in the database,
0: Right,
1: whatever matches. So you can have a bunch of other properties that are used internally. They won't get saved to the database and it won't throw an error or anything. And, but it'll still save whatever matches straight to the database. Hmm. So there's very few restrictions. You don't have to subclass anything. You have to point the, 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 object once to the database where it's supposed to save stuff. And that's it. And I, it just, whatever uh, new database is, uh, not database, new table is accept, accessed, it'll keep as a shared um, properties the name of the tables, so it doesn't query, not the name of the table, sorry, the name of the fields, so it doesn't, or the columns we call it. The
0: yeah, access. the columns. Yeah. It doesn't
1: query the columns with every access to the database. It just queries them once, and then compares with introspection once, again, with uh, the, the whatever class is thrown at it. So it makes it very simple to have any class saved to a database. So that's one little uh, tool that I uh, built and used.
0: Well, that's pretty slick, Bruno. I like it.
1: <laughs> and it's like it's like a no-brainer, really. It's just like uh, the only uh, initialization you have to do is um, I think you have to, in the open event, you have to link it to database. Uh, Or the open, I'm not sure. It's the open event, probably. Oh, there you go. Just have to open the file. So point it to the file. And then um, the module will actually, no, it's a module method, is it? Open. There you go. All right, yeah. It's just so it just makes a new SQL library database, puts it to the file, and that's it. And then uh, whenever you need to call it, just save yourself. So save self, and that's it. Yeah, and it
0: saves the- all the information it has out that matches the table. Yeah, well, that's pretty fast and easy.
1: Yeah. I have the same tool for actually filling window controls with a class. So you have, if you have a class with the stuff that you need to show... Uh, dates or str- uh, strings or or integers, and uh, you just, again, doing, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm using it here in this one, this particular project, but it's the same principle. You just create a new instance of you, I, I call it the, the controls linker, create a new instance, pass it a window and then a class, and it'll just fill whichever controls have the same matching names as the class's properties. And you can do vice versa. It will just translate those also from strings to integers. If the property is an integer or a date or a file name, actually, it'll just put the full path. And, uh, so it, it makes throwing stuff on a, a screen from a property or, or, or filling the property back from whatever user input was done on the screen a lot easier. So it's, it doesn't cover all the bases and it's not intended to, but it's intended to cover like, of the time of whatever you have to do. And then you can code by hand, whichever like populating a pop-up menu or something like that. Yeah,
0: any of the special cases, right.
1: You can't really handle everything. If you try to handle everything, you end up with a very bloated uh, class that is unusable because you have to remember so many little things and settings. It's unusable. So you better have something a lot simpler that covers most of the things that you need to do. And then keep the things that you have to uh, the exceptions coded by hand
0: well there's a famous quote for that from Alan Kay it's uh, keep the simple things easy and make the complex things possible and oh I like that yeah it's a good quote it's kind of a little Zojo philosophy there too so there you go that's cool <laughs>